0: God through this summer series, and I'm so glad that we've had this format on Wednesday nights and given this opportunity for preachers to preach. and It's it's just been an absolute blessing. But Cindy helps uh, coordinate our uh, prayer ministry and does a wonderful job. Really leads the church in a prayer covering over the church, pastor the community. They've had some awesome results having their prayer tent at various events and. Uh, people have gotten saved, people have asked earnestly for prayer the, through various events, and we appreciate her so much, and her love for the Lord and her love for the Word of God. I know she has prepared and she has studied and gotten ready to preach to the best of her ability, so I encourage you tonight to just give her your undivided attention, give her some amens, get behind her, support her tonight. So without further ado, can we welcome Cindy? She- I think we've got power now. It was cutting out a minute ago.
1: Hallelujah. You know, um, I was thinking earlier today how refreshing it has been to be able to come in this house on a Wednesday night and just worship you, you know sometimes sometimes at work, uh, especially on Wednesdays, it seems, it's just a little heavy. And, and it seems sometimes by the time I get out of that place, I, I feel like a tent peg that has been pounded into the ground. So if I go home and I change my clothes and I, I eat supper, sometimes I have to challenge my flesh to get back in this house. Uh, but I never have failed to walk in and slide in the the back row back there and feel the breath of God as we started worshiping together. Uh, I walk in and I'm sitting back here by the Sanborn family and and the Lord's in the room. It's good. It's been so good to be in here uh, uh, to be with the Lord. Uh, And you know, the Lord had reminded me sometime back that I can only have what I will make room for in my life. If I will not stretch myself beyond my comfort and my convenience, my comfort and convenience will be my reward. My comfort and my convenience, my recliner, will be my reward if I let it be. If, I, if I'll be content, but if I'll press in, and I'll be intentional with my presence in the presence of God, if I'll give him my time with intention, he'll give me his presence with intention. The Lord meets me. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is Hebrew eleven six. It says, uh, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For those who come to him must believe that he is... And that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. My part is to diligently seek. He has the, the outcome. He is the one who says, all right, if you want a reward, you've come after me. Now you want a reward, watch out. God's a pretty good rewarder. Not only that, you know, there's a place in, in Genesis where Abraham is meeting with God. And God says to him, he says, Abraham, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward—that's the reward I ask for. That's what puts me in a prayer closet because I get God. That's that's my reward. Hallelujah. Uh, um, you know Psalms. I want to say, I want to say seventy-three somewhere in through there. It says, "It is good for me to draw near the Lord." It was good for me to draw near to God, and you know what? I've never done anything but gain from coming close, be it on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or a Thursday night or, or in my bedroom floor in a prayer closet, in what I call my prayer closet, I've never had anything but good come from it. And I truly believe that someday I'll stand on a glassy sea, and it doesn't matter how many hours I spent. It doesn't matter how many years that I've put my face in his, in his face and prayed. I'm going to say, oh, I didn't give you enough. It wasn't enough, uh, I, mine was so little, but you know what? It's good for me to draw near him, but what is it when he draws near us? W- when the Lord draws near us, what is that? That's a miracle. That, that's hallowed ground. That, that's a mountain's mountain time. Uh, uh, the presence of God is our good. Hallelujah. I want to say that I'm very grateful for the opportunity to minister tonight. Um, I don't take standing behind this desk in this house lightly. Uh, it, it's, uh, I have great respect for our, our pastors, and I have great reverence for the body of Christ. Uh, you know, Jesus is all about his church, and, and it's not a light thing for me to speak into it, what I've been hearing in my prayer closet or what the Holy Spirit's had his finger on in my Bible. Um, I've heard people say, I love the Lord, but I don't like his people very much. And I say, they don't love the Lord very well. They don't love him right, because he died for the church. He's jealous over the church. He's still walking in the midst of the candlesticks in Revelation chapter 1. Jesus is about his church. He is still building it. Tonight, folks, we're going to be in John chapter 20 but while you're finding that let me take you a moment just to remind you that no matter how chaotic the world looks around us uh, no matter what you hear on the evening news no matter how loud the roar of opposition is that you face either corporately as the church or personally in your own personal life I want to remind you that you have a God who sits on high, and he's exalted, and he has never abdicated his throne. There's nothing coming down the road toward us that he hasn't already seen and has already known about, doesn't already have a plan for. Your God's got this. He's got it under control. He is a great God. He can handle it. You know, uh, when I read in the book of Daniel... And this is this is not my message, but uh, when I read in the book of Daniel, I find these Hebrew boys, the uh, shadrach uh, that was the Babylonian names. D- it was Daniel, Azariah, Mishael. What's the other one? Anybody? <laughs> anyway, Vicky <laughs> doesn't have it. <laughs> uh, they decide in their heart, I am not going to defile myself in Babylon. They're captives. Uh, they they don't want to be there. They're in a place they don't want to be, a place that's unfamiliar and a place that's uncomfortable. And, and they, the king says, Now, I'm going to have you come into my house. I'm going to give you my food. I'm going to give you the same wine I'm drinking. And, and I'm going to train you up on how to be a good Babylonian. And, and they're in the culture and they are not of the culture. They say, "No, I'm not going to eat the dainties of the king's table. I'm not going to eat the food that's going to defile me in the presence of God." They choose to be separate. They choose not to go with the flow. And you know, I believe the Lord is looking tonight for a church that says, "I won't eat the world's dainties. I'm not going to eat the philosophy." That, that, that the world's trying to feed me. I'm not going to eat whatever's on whatever side of the political fence you watch the news on. I, I'm not going to eat that narrative. I'm not going to take that into myself and defile myself in the presence of God. He's looking for a people who will say, "Huh, think I'll turn off Facebook and get my Bible out. think I'm going to turn that TV off and go pray a little while. God is looking for a people who will be set apart. Hallelujah. We are in John chapter 20, that was free, by the (laughs) way, that was free. Um, We're in the Gospel of John chapter 20 tonight, and because you've read the Gospel of John, or if you've got your Bible out, you've flipped through enough pages that you realize by the time you get to John chapter 20, some things have happened in the story. Uh, The the narrative is is far gone by the time you reach this chapter. uh, Some stuff has gone down. And you know the book of John is called The book of signs and the book of glory uh, Here's John, Jesus And he's demonstrating the signs And wonders because he's God And here's Jesus rising from the dead Because he's God The signs and the glory But by the time you reach chapter 20 You've seen some things happening uh, You discover Jesus and he's walking Through the streets of Israel And he's just demonstrating the character of God He's uh Healing the ones the doctors couldn't help. Remember that guy laying by the pool? Yeah. He's healing people. Yep, he he's touching the untouchable people. Like those lepers that sit by the road and they cry out. He's touching the untouchable. He, he's redeeming the questionable. Remember that woman in the middle of the day at a well? He's doing impossible things. He's doing wonders. And if you read those red words in the book of John... You're just reading life dripping off the lips of God. You're finding God speaking. And he's saying things like, the kingdom is coming and the kingdom is here. Because the king takes the kingdom wherever he goes. Wherever he goes, he's king. So the kingdom is coming and the kingdom is here. Everywhere Jesus is, the kingdom is here. And you know what? While he's saying this stuff, he's making people mad those religious rulers those men who had an invested interest in keeping status quo he's making them nervous and then he's making them mad and when they couldn't trip him up and they couldn't shut him up they decide to shut him down they arrest him in a garden where he's praying and they think they're killing him but they don't know while he was kneeling in the soil of Gethsemane he was already laying his life down he has already done it himself he'd already said I'll do it I want to do it another way. If you can find any other way, God. You know, I pray that sometimes. <laughs> if we could do this another way, Jesus, I'd really like to do this. If you can do it another way, God. But he says, but I won't have my way. I'll have yours. I'll have yours if it's uncomfortable. He's already laid his life down. A sacrifice paying the price for our sins. Paying the price for the, uh, of the sins for the men who are crucifying him. And by the time you reach chapter 19 of John. You see Jesus, and he's standing in front of the Roman governors. He's standing in front of Pontius Pilate. And they've they've taken a a whip, and they've beat him. And and he's standing there covered in blood. And he's standing there with his flesh like ribbons. And he's standing there with a crown of thorns pressed down into his brow. He's standing there, and there's spit in his face. And, And you watch as he's taken out as you read in chapter 19, you watch them. They take him outside the gate. And they take him all the way to Golgotha. And when they get him there, they stretch his hand, hands out, his arms out on that rough wooden beam. And they nail him into place, fixing him on the cross. And he's standing. He's, he's right there, nailed on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth. And he's sitting there, and he's dying. He's bleeding. He's bleeding. He's forgiving. And he breathes his last breath. And I hate to read that. When I get to that place in the, any gospel, all of a sudden I need to do my dishes. All of a sudden, I, boy, I, you know, I think I was reading in Psalms today. Wasn't I in Psalms today? I don't like to read that. I don't like to read it because I love him. Because he's my shepherd and I've walked with him for Gosh, more of my life than I have it now. He's my shepherd, and I love him. Uh, Song of Solomon said he's like perfume poured out. His name's like perfume poured out in my life. It says that that says he's the fairest of ten thousand. He's my Jesus, and I love him. I followed him. I followed him through some dark places, and I followed him up on mountaintops, and I've just followed him, and I love him. So I hate to read this. I want to look away. I want to look away, but I need to read it. I need to read that because if I never see him with spit in his face, I'm not gonna let me spit on mine. If I never see him hanging on a cross, forgiving the men with a hammer in their hands, you know what? I'm not gonna forgive those lesser things people do to me. And I'll be—I want to be real with you. Jesus tested me this week on this one. <laughs> We might still be in the test. I'm just saying. But I have to look every now and then. I I need to. But as much as it hurts me to read chapter 19 of John, there were some people standing in the crowd that day who didn't want to see it. Mary, Jesus' mother, was there. The women who followed Jesus and ministered to him out of their substance. Mary Magdalene was there. John the beloved disciple was there and they watch him and they watch him suffer and they watch him die and their hearts are wounded their love has been violated by angry men their trust in what they thought jesus was going to do has been violated the faith that they had that this is the messiah and he's going to change our life has been violated they, they're, they're standing there and they watch him die. And everything in their experience tells them there's only one person that can do anything about dead. There's only one person we've ever seen who could walk into the room of Jairus' daughter and, and take her by the hand and she walks back out. There was only one person who stopped a funeral procession and raised a little dead man up uh, in, in Nain. There was only one person who could stand in front of a four-day-old tomb and yell, hey, come out of there. And, and the dead person, come out and that man was dead that man was hanging there lifeless they watched as Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus come and they ask for his body and they take it down from the cross and and they do the best they can uh Sabbath is right here and they have to get it done like that they had to get it done so they wrap him in the linen clothes, cloths and they put him in the tomb and they watch as the stone is pushed in front of it and they watched as the soldiers came to guard a dead man. They're, and that's their reality. They spend their Sabbath and that's what they're thinking of and that's what they're seeing. And that's where we get to John chapter 20. I'm going to be reading to you out of an Amplified Bible tonight. Starting in verse 1 now on the first day of the week mary magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark let me say it again while it was still dark while she can't see clearly what's happening while she doesn't know what's going on around her she comes to the tomb in the dark do you know you can't see real good walking in the dark I grew up in eastern Kentucky that's not the same kind of Kentucky the pastor grew up in I, I was out in the hollers we had to pump the sunshine in to get some uh, during the day and I tell you the night that uh the night that I uh stayed a little too late at my cousin's house up the road and I had to walk home in the dark that was a bad night because I had me a little flashlight. My, my aunt was good and gracious to give me one. And I've got my little flashlight. And I can see just enough p- uh, space to put my foot down. And if something moved on that mountain over there, I didn't know what it was. And, and it was probably the cow over here that usually stands in the field. But I don't know for sure. You know, that, that, you walk in the dark, it can be scary. It's the mystery. Is that a mountain lion or is that a dog? I don't know. It's scary. It's scary. But Mary's going in the dark. I I hope she had a little lamp with her of some kind, but but it doesn't tell me. But everything that's outside of the glow of the light, whatever light source you have, everything else is obscured. Everything else is the mystery. Let Let me start that again. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been removed, lifted out of the groove across the entrance of the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus tenderly loved, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have laid him. Now we know what's happening here. You and I know we've read the rest of the story. We sing this song. Uh, what does it say? Fridays, Fridays, disappointment. Sundays, empty tomb. We know what happened. We sing about it. We 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 rejoice. That that's my happy day. That's our that's our happy day. Uh, that's that's the time when history turned on its hinge, when our our reality changed that day. But Mary hasn't read the story. Mary is in the dark. She's in the mystery. She's interpreting the empty tomb through the lens of her experience and the lens of her sorrow. And that's all she can see is, I don't know what's happened. It has to be bad. And in fact, if you read in Luke's gospel, you find out that she's actually got spices with her. She was going to to anoint the body of Jesus. She was going to go preserve his dead body. I don't think she needed her spices that morning. But but she's taking her spices. She, she knows what should have been done for Jesus that evening. So she's going to go do it. And she gets to the tomb. She's in the dark. She can't see the miracle yet. She, assume, she can't see what heaven's up to, so she assumes the worst. They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. I'm not going to read you the whole chapter, but uh, the, the, next, the next few verses... The sun's coming up over the Galilean hills. And Peter and John run back to the tomb. And, and if you read it just right, you realize that John just bragged because he beat Peter and he makes a big deal out of I beat him. <laughs> the, the one that the, the disciple that Jesus loved, I beat him. I, I beat Peter. <laughs> but, but they run to the tomb and they look inside and they find grave clothes, empty grave clothes. And and they find that kerchief that was around his face, and it's it's rolled up over to one side. And they don't know what happened, but they're pretty sure it's a good thing. It actually says, John says, and and that disciple started to believe. He started to believe. So it's something amazing. Something's happened. They don't know what it is, but something's happened. And So you know what they did? They went back home. They went back home. They went back to their homes. That's what it says. Uh, verse 10 says the disciples went again to their homes, their lodging places. They see the empty tomb. They don't know what happened. But they did what most men would do. I should say people. <laughs> Think I'll go home and get my recliner. <laughs> Think I'm going to go back home where it's comfortable, where it's familiar. They go back home. But not Mary. Mary, this is verse 11 but Mary remained standing outside the tomb sobbing Mary remained Mary lingered Mary stayed in the uncomfortable place she stayed there even though she didn't know what was going on she refused to give up she lingered even in her sorrow you know what the, light's up. the sun's up by now it's light she can look inside and see for herself but you know what her heart she's still in the dark She's still there crying. Verse 11, Mary remained outside the tomb, standing outside the tomb, and she wept. She stooped down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you sobbing? And she told them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Can you imagine the angels like... (laughs) Did you just catch that? This is not usually a response we get when we talk to people. I don't know. But here's Mary. And she's in the dark. She still can't see clearly. She can't even discern the voice of heaven. But she's not going to give up. She's not going to be distracted. She's not going to let go. She stands there. Verse 14. On saying this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying so? For whom are you looking, supposing it was the gardener? She replied, Sir, if you have carried him away from here, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. Now this is Jesus. This is Jesus just got out of the grave. Jesus standing there. This is Jesus hasn't even ascended to the Father uh, to present his sacrifice yet. This is Jesus, the high priest, and he's on his way to do something really important. And you know what? He hears the sound of somebody's heart who loves him. He hears the sound of someone who's lingering, someone who's someone who loves him and he is not about to leave her there crying he is not about to leave the one who will linger he's going to come to her he is going to come to the one who lingers now now i have to tell you the disciples still get jesus they're at home in the recliners they still get him that evening he comes to them but he is not going to walk past mary's persistent love her persistent love caught his attention Mary gets the right now revelation. Jesus said to her, Mary, turning around, she said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher or master. He speaks her name. Does Jesus speak your name? Does Jesus speak to you? You know what? When he spoke Mary's name, Mary got it. He said, Mary, I know you. I see you, and I see you crying at a tomb, and I know you, and I care. Can I tell you, I can't tell you how many Thursday nights I've walked in this room, and I've run in like the, the world was chasing me down with my hair on fire. I was running so hard to get here. And I walked in, and Jesus says, I know you. I knew you were coming. I knew you were coming. I, I came because you're coming. You know, I used to, I, he used to ask me a lot, why'd you come? Why are you here? And he asked me that enough times that it kind of wounded my heart eventually. I'm like, well, I'm not here for, to ask you for anything. I just want to hang out with you, Jesus. You know, I, I, it's starting, you're starting to hurt my feelings here. I'm like Peter over there, where he's, uh, that third time, he says, do you love me? I'm like, why am I here? And, and one night I was in here, and instead he said, ask me why I'm here. He said, I'm here because you came. Hallelujah. Jesus will not turn away from the one who will linger. And and you may say, now, sis, that's a pretty good Bible study, but I thought you said you had something the Lord wanted to say. How about this? The position that you take while you are still in the dark will determine the level of the light you get to walk in. The disciples went home, and they had to wait for their revelation. Oh, but Mary gets the fresh revelation. Mary gets Jesus before he even walks into heaven. Mary gets the the light. How about this one? The position you choose when you don't know what else to do will determine the revelation that you will receive from God. When you don't know what else to do, make make a good choice about where you're going to position yourself. Your recliner will give you your recliner as an output. That'll be your outcome if that's the one you choose. But if you don't know what to do, and you will position yourself like Mary did in front of the Lord and say, I'm not going to leave till I hear you. I've got to go to bed right now because I've got to go to work in the morning, but I'll be back. And the next morning, there you are. Jesus, here I am. I'm after you. Even if you don't answer me, even if you don't give me what I'm asking you for, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stay here. How about the longer you linger for him, the quicker you'll recognize him when he reveals himself. You know, uh, we're, we're kind of in the dark right now. We're kind of, we've been in the dark a little while, haven't we? We've had a dark season this year. There's darkness in the world, darkness in the nation. Our lives have been affected at a very personal level. We went from life as normal, business as usual, to bewilderment, uncertainty every step we took. And, and it really amped up for us in March when the news of this pandemic came around, and, and that's when it really amped up. And it was like, oh, I've got to take notice now what's going on. But can I tell you, the darkness has been creeping around for years. <laughs> you know, we live in a society where the darkness says, every life, uh, th- this life matters, or every life matters unless it's in a womb we, we live in a time where darkness tries to pervert God's righteous judgments by redefining the language L- let's, let's, make a, let's change what love means let's change what marriage means let's change what gender means and then you can say anything you want if the truth is if the truth is something that is subjective then you can make truth be whatever you want it to be and if you dare to stand up and hold this thing up, all of a sudden you're a bigot. You're narrow-minded. You're intolerant if you hold this thing up. Everybody's opinion matters except God's. Da- the power of darkness is intimidation. And it's been at work in our nation for a long time. But God has a plan. It may be dark out, but God has a plan. God left the light on. He left the church in the world. He left the light on. God didn't leave the world in the dark. The church has always been God's answer to whatever's going on in the world. He said, uh, "Go, go and make witnesses. Uh, go and be with. Uh-uh. Go therefore, <laughs> go therefore, and make disciples of all nations." I knew it was in there. <laughs> You are the light of the world, church. You're the city set on a hill. You're on display. You are God's answer to a broken world. You have the right answer. You're the body of Christ. And Mary found out that day that Jesus' body didn't need protected. It didn't need preserved. And the body of Christ today does not need protected and it doesn't need preservation. It just needs a revelation of resurrection. When we see Jesus who He is, there's nobody going to tell us we can't worship or you can't go to ch- you can't sing in a church. They can't stop us if we see Jesus like He is. We will worship when we see Him as He is. We just need a revelation. You know, when, when we have the revelation of who Jesus is, we'll become who he says we are. The blood-bought. We'll be the church that the hell can't prevail against. We're going to be the bold witness in a dark world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and Lord, the Lord knows what I really want today is no more news about viruses or riots or any of those things. What I want to hear is a trumpet. What I want to hear is Jesus stepping out on the cloud and saying, Hey, it's supper time. Why don't you come on home? That's what I want to hear. But you know, just like those Hebrew boys didn't want to be where they are, we didn't get to pick our time. Miss Narissa told us last week, You're in the kingdom for such a time as this. God picked this time out for you. You're made for the dark. You're made for the dark. You don't have to be afraid of the dark. You're the light of the world. Hallelujah. 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 You're made for it. We don't get to vote the times we're living in. But we do get to choose how we're going to respond to the dark. You can choose what Peter and John did that day. And I'm not hard on Peter and John. Would that I could, could, could be like a Peter or John. But, but, but you could choose what they chose that day. And say, you know, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to go back to my recliner. I just want to go back to a couple of songs and a, a sermon so I can get out cuz you know I got to beat that other church to Bob Evans. <laughs> we can go back to the and let the dust settle back on us. He shook the dust off in March, starting in March. We can go back and sit down and get comfortable and let the dust settle back on. Or we can linger. <laughs> or we can get in the face of Jesus and refuse to leave. We can decide that his presence is worth more than our comfort or our convenience. We can choose to stay close to that place where we find him. We can, we can linger in the book. We can linger in the church. Though I've heard we're supposed to do that in the parking lot now. You can, we can linger in our worship. You know, sometimes oh, we're, we're the Pentecostal people. And we like that. Hang off the chandelier, let's dance, let's, we like that stuff. But sometimes it's okay to linger. Sometimes it's okay to just linger and let God do a work in silence we can't do with our dance. I like the dance. Mommy likes that stuff. But Mommy likes the, the presence of God, too. Linger in your prayer closet. Can I tell you something? You know prayer's my thing. That's the thing I like. I like that stuff. If you go to your prayer closet and you take your list to God, your to-do list, and you lay it there in front of him, you're going to run out of things to say in about ten minutes tops. That's going to be what your prayer is. But if you will go into your prayer closet and, and decide in your heart, I'm not here to ask you for anything, Lord. I'm just here, let me tell you what I think about you. Let me tell you what I think. I think you're beautiful. <laughs> I think you're beautiful. John told me you're like a jasper and a sardius stone. I don't know what that looks like, but I bet it's beautiful. Uh, you're like a fire. You're like a fire from your waist down and fire enclosed in amber from your waist up. You're beautiful. You're enthroned on a sapphire sea, and I can't wait to be there with you. You're beautiful. You're beautiful in your character. You're, you're, you're slow to anger. And you're full of loving kindness and mercy. You are abundant in your mercy to us. You're beautiful in your character. You're beautiful in your ways. You're beautiful in your words. Tell God who he is to you. And I promise you he'll walk in. I promise. I've proven it. Jesus is the answer to the darkness in our world. He's the answer to the darkness in our nation. He's the answer to the crisis of a church that finds itself in in a a culture that's oppositional to it. We don't need permission to worship. We just need Jesus. Can you come on up with the music, brother? You know, I'm about done here. Pastor said Sunday morning something that struck my heart. In the times we're living in, we ought never have a church service where we don't have an altar call. And I know most of you. But I just want to take a moment today to ask you, are you sure you're ready? If you did step out on the cloud, are you ready to go? If you don't know that answer, I'd like to help you get ready for that moment. Um, You folks folks know me. You know my stories. Uh, It was about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago. I had a sister. And my sister gave her heart to the Lord on a Friday night. And on Monday morning, she did not wake up that quick. And she was in heaven. Now, the Lord was kind to me because she gave her heart to the Lord on Friday night and called and told me. I tell my my, my my patients all the time when I get to heaven I want to see the guy with the scars and then I have a couple of redheads I'm after. I want to ask you tonight and may I ask you to go ahead and close your eyes. This is between people and God only. If you are not sure that if you did not open your eyes tomorrow that you would be If you are not sure you're right with God, if you're not sure that your salvation is sure, would you slip your hand into the air? I promise I won't embarrass you.
2: Okay.
1: Now I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this you guys know me. you probably heard my story before, but I'm going to tell you. When I was a young woman, just come to the Lord. I was serving the Lord. I was loving the Lord. Jesus loved me. I loved Jesus. I went to church every time the door was open. But I was bound in depression. I was, If depression was not a bad day for me. It was a deep, dark pit that I could not pull my were days that I was fine I had good days and then the day would come when depression I would feel it like a black cloth coming up over top of my head and it was hopeless and it was dark and it was deep and I couldn't get myself out of that mess and one day as we were driving down the road Part of you and I was like, "Well, no." He said, "Well, was it me?" He said, "You don't have to live like that. Go ahead and sing. Go ahead and sing. You know what? My deliverance came in worshiping." He said, "Go ahead and sing." And you know what? I've been saved so long I knew one song. One, <laughs> Amazing Grace, because that's what they sang over and over and over in that little church. <laughs> that was the only one song I knew. Away. I say that until the darkness was broken. And I'm not depressed. and I haven't been depressed. Do I have bad days? Bad seasons? Have I had hard times? Uh-huh. Have I been hopeless? Never. I have never been hopeless again because of Jesus. You know what? We've been talking about the darkness. We've been talking about the darkness. And we're talking about the, the world around us, but sometimes the darkness isn't in us sometimes the darkness is something we can't, we have to have the light of the world. He has to be the answer. You know, the church has been really good at being quiet about mental issues, mental health issues. We've been really good about not talking about that. But you know what? The Lord will deliver you from depression. Now if you're on medication, the Lord's not mad about that. You know what? I know a lot of people who love the Lord who are on medication and that's okay. Nobody had to arm wrestle God to figure out how to get that medicine. That's okay. But I want to tell you that if you're in this room tonight, and that darkness has been holding you in captivity, and you've been having that problem, I want you to know that there is freedom, and there is light in this room tonight. The Lord says that He is light. He is the light. I couldn't be part of the light. I don't sit down heal the light of the world as long as I was in the dark. I needed Him. And you know what? The Lord isn't going to deliver people because I'm amazing. Let's, let's just be real. on me, But He's amazing. And His Word is true. His Word is true. He says in His Word, this is the message of promise that we have heard from Him and according to you. God is light. And in Him, there is no darkness darkness in your God. Colossians 1 and 13 says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You know what? God. There's no darkness in God and darkness has no place in you. God has delivered you. Hallelujah. God has picked you up and he's put you into another kingdom. Darkness has no place there. I'm going to give you one more. servant, yet who walks in darkness and deep trouble and has no shining splendor in his heart. That means you can love the Lord and you can be a Christian and be walking in the dark. You can love Jesus with all you are but still you're you're having trouble with the dark. The verse ends, let him rely on Break every darkness in your life. So I don't want to ask you: Is there anybody in here who's struggling with the dark? Is there anybody in here who's who's struggling with that depression, that darkness that wants to hold on to? You know, I'd like to invite you to come to the altar, socially distancing, <laughs> and linger in the presence of the Lord. If you think that, hey problems with the darkness.
2: we yeah. yeah.
0: Tries to on pressure, then suddenly comes out the diamond, which is called the Church of Jesus Christ. We're gonna shine. We're gonna be great. Do you know why? Let me tell you about the church world right now. Just for a moment, I was talking to Leah. She and I talk a lot about the church world. Not not necessarily Rodney Pike, but everywhere. I tell you what's happening. That since this pandemic has happened, and there's been a lot of pressure going on. going to church and being in church and the church has been understanding and loving and will continue to do so but do you know why the churches as I begin to talk to other pastors and other churches why they're not hurting financially it's because the core and foundation of the church is still alive and attending church and a part of the church Those that may fall by the wayside or those that are on the fringes, but it's people who will dig in and get in with God and say, God, you're the most important person in my life. I'm not questioning those that are not in church because of their concern of their health and safety. That's fine, that's good, but we have gone five to six months here, and if we're not careful, we will create a pattern. If we haven't already, But the church is still alive, and the church is still thriving. And you know what the Lord's going to do? He's creating. He's creating an army that's going to go forth.